What's going on, guys? Welcome to the latest episode of Can I Kick It? As joining me as always, this is your host, Elliot Barr, and this is my good man, Shanir Duran II. And we were supposed to be at a Richmond Kickers game, but OCB decided to get COVID. Mm. Yay. But we decided to show a little love to our second, well, first love podcast? I don't know how to describe this. <laughs> I know. But we are doing two unique episodes. This is the first one we are doing on Mr. George Weah. And uh, when President I got President George Weah. Okay, you're right. Yeah. President <laughs> George Weah. I feel like I have to salute him. Right? <laughs> like, he's like that guy that walks into the office and you're like, is my necktie straight? Is everything right? Right? And then he just comes up to you and be like, so how was the game on Saturday? <laughs> okay. You are way too relaxed to have this amount of power. Yes. Um, but really going into his story, so let me backtrack a little bit. So George Way is one of those players that when I first got into soccer and I wanted to learn more about it, he was someone named that I was really coming up a lot. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, like, outside of his AC Milan years, it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of George Way. Like, granted, he was one of the first... I think, believe, correct me if I'm wrong, he's the first black player to win a Ballon d'Or. Yep, in 95. Yeah, okay, so I'm right about that. But it also is like, you would expect somebody like that to be involved in Champions League finals, you know, multiple Europa League titles or multiple league titles. And kind of going through his career, it never really seemed to be anything like that. Am I wrong? I mean, on the European stage, um, no. I mean, in on the league, on the individual league stages, like when he's the time he spent at uh, Monaco and and PSG and um, and AC Milan, he won a lot of domestic titles. Um, mm-hmm. With PSG, he won Ligue 1, he won the Coupe de France, he won the Coupe de la Ligue, and with Monaco, he won the Coupe de France. Um, AC Milan, he won Serie A. At least uh, twice won Serie A. Um, and for the brief time he was with Chelsea, he won the FA Cup. I mean, he's he's got trophies. Just, yes. And and you also need to take into consideration that in, when was it? The, the year he won the Ballon d'Or, yeah. he was the Champions League top scorer. Even though AC Milan didn't win it, he was the league's top scorer. So, I mean... I guess this kind of, it, it feels like it's a running theme with a lot of the people we do of oh, wrong place, wrong time. Like, AC Milan as a team weren't strong enough to win the Champions League when he was there. Or, you know. So, we, I actually <laughs> asked a couple of AC Milan fans about, like, George Weah's time at AC Milan and, like, why didn't it. George Weah's career to me seems like a great movie trailer. Yes. In the movie, you're like, oh, this is. This is not what I expected. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Almost like X-Men Apocalypse. Like, the trailer for X-Men Apocalypse was like, Mwah. Like, I was I was so ready. I was like, get me my tickets. <laughs> and then you go see it, you're like, this is not what I expected. <laughs> so, like, back to what I was saying, like, I asked AC Milan, they were kind of just like, yeah, it was just a team that, it was good enough to win a Scudetto, but just not good enough to win Champions League. Yeah, and that, that comes off of I believe before that they won a Champions League right before then, everything yeah. like that. Yeah. But he was kind of just like, yeah, it was like people were moving in, people were moving out. But are you ready to go and dive into this man's career? Because I have some points. 
and it might be some hot takes, but I'm okay with it. Yeah, no, let's 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 dive in because um, yeah, I really want to heat. I want to dive into this man's career because I mean, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is. So real quick, George Ware, he was discovered in Cameroon the, by the national team coach, um, Claude Lee, Claude Leroy, mm-hmm. which. I know it's more French than Leroy, but when I saw it, I was like, oh, his name's Leroy? Um, oh, but, so the the pronunciation would be Claude Leroy. God, I hate the fact that you can speak French. <laughs> <laughs> God, I hate it. Um, but, so, the national team coaches have told the news to guess who else? Arsene Wenger. Yes. And, and, I mean, I don't know what it is, but Arsene seems to be everywhere. Do, do you know, I think for this podcast, we do need to have an episode about Arsene Wenger. Even though he is not a black coach, his affinity for African and Caribbean players with Arsenal and in general is is something that we do need to touch on. Because, I mean, of course. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. Like, I had no idea that Wenger... It wasn't until I started researching George Weah that I started to figure out that, like, Arsene Wenger, he kind of plays a part in a lot of these players, like George Weah, uh, you know, Nicholas Anelka, Thierry Henry, of, like, if he's not at Monaco, if he's not at Arsenal, what yeah. happens to, to exactly. a lot of these What guys? happens to a lot of these players? What happens to a lot of these clubs? Yeah. You know? It's just strange. But he was um, transferred from Tondre Yundi which was in Liberia at the time, and went to Monaco, played on the Arsene Wenger, where, like you said, he won a Coupe de la France. Mm-hmm. But he also credits Wenger for being, like, the most important coach in his career. Because I think, like, where, and this is someone who necessarily, like, you hear a lot of players talk about it, like, if they're in America or they're in Africa or mm-hmm. in Australia. Not necessarily South America, because there's a great pipeline there. Yeah. But in places where there's not a pipeline, I think he really takes an affinity to the Arsene Wenger because it's like, you believed in me enough to give me a chance. Exactly. And and I do feel that George Weah probably does recognize that at that time, there was not really a big pipeline between Africa and European soccer. Yeah. I think Arsene Wenger created that pipeline. Oh, 100%. And, 100%. and so, <laughs> because of the fact that he created this pipeline... You have a lot of these players, these big, big names that come from Africa that are now, even they know, though, like, for example, you would look at players right now like Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah. They probably partially do owe their success to Arsene Wenger because he created this pipeline from which they benefited from to get to Europe. Yeah, yeah most definitely. Like, I. I wonder if there's... A, you think there's a book out there on Arsene Wenger talking about this pipeline? There's, you probably should be getting research. There's got to be something. I don't know how we're making this to the Arsene Wenger <laughs> we're talking about. George Wenger. All right, back to Mr. Wenger. So, while he was at Monaco, by the way, he wins, he wins the first of many African football players of the year. Think about it like a PFA trophy, almost like that. Yes. And you were the most important player in Africa. Mind you, he's winning this playing for Liberia. Liberia <laughs> was not historically known for being a big soccer power. Not even big. No, no, no. Around that time, it was Cameroon, Nigeria, maybe Ghana. Well, Egypt. Ivory Coast. Yeah. I don't think Egypt was really big yet then. Senegal was up there. but Egypt was more big in, like, the domestically from what I saw. But then, like, the national team, it was a whole totally different. But, yeah. Yeah. Like you were saying. 
Yeah. Um, but Liberia was never... I mean, historically has not been a big soccer nation yeah. in Africa. Which is more unique in the fact that George Wheeler was able to... Do, we're talking about what he did for the Nationals League, which is by itself an amazing mm-hmm. story. Like, absolutely amazing. But... And his time in Monaco, like winning that Afro- African Footballer of the Year trophy, and you know the coup, the the fronts, he kind of I think that's what propels his move to PSG at the yes. end of the ninety two season, where ninety four is the top scorer in Champions League, mm-hmm. and he wins a second uh, African Footballer Year in nineteen ninety four. Yeah, like really that ninety four season for him was one kind of say almost well not the ninety four the ninety three season I probably would say it's a better year because. What in forty five appearances he had twenty three goals, top scorer in the Champions League for him. I mean, the guy was pretty much doing it all around for him. You know, yeah, no, and then there of course there's the 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 wonder goal against Bayern in um, ninety four in that same in that same yeah. uh, season where he won the that award. I mean, it's it's one of those those things where. Great players have great moments, but there is that consistency as well. Yeah. So, we'll, we'll, I mean, we're going to see a lot more. <laughs> we're going to see a lot more as we, as we continue. But <clears throat> this, this man's career is riddled with just jaw-dropping moments. Moments that just took the world by surprise and made everyone say... Did that really happen? Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing I think about way the most because like going into this, and this is also like preconceived notions that I had because I expected like George Wade started off as this and this happened and this happened. And I expected like this gradual climb, mm-hmm. but reading into it more, I didn't necessarily saw. I saw someone that was more like in his local, you know, yeah, in his country, like he's and then the when best he comes player, to Europe. Boom. Yeah, he's he's like the best player at the rec league that you're like, all right. He can't do it in college. He yeah. goes to college and he proves it. You're like, eh, okay, he did it in college, but it wasn't like the big schools he did it against. Yeah. And then he moves to the big school, which is AC Milan, and yes. he does it. And, I mean, granted, look, he might not have won, you know, the Champions League or had, like, the big European nights like AC Milan teams in the past. Because I think when he was in AC Milan, I think he only played in Europe. Uh, for three seasons there, 96, 97, and 99, if memory serves me right. But in order to win another African Football Player of the Year and to win a a Ballon d'Or and a FIFA World Player of the Year, you got to be, you know, one of the top echelon players because they're not just voting anyone in there, you know? Like like I said, he moved to AC Milan in 1995. He won the Ballon d'Or, the Onzi Dior, the FIFA World Player of the Year, and became the first and only African native to win the win all those awards. Exactly. Which, okay, let me ask you this real quick. And I mean, we we'll actually to you know listeners out there as well on Twitter. If you don't follow us on Twitter, you should. It's River City ninety three. Follow us. Um, who is the next African you can see winning the Ballon d'Or? My vote is on Sadio Mane. I would say between Sadio Mane. I would put Mohamed Salah in that conversation as well because of what he brings to the table on that um, that Liverpool squad. Whew. I mean, it's going to be a while, but I think we'll see Mbappe. 
in there, but it, it probably will be a few years before he can reach that echelon of winning a Ballon d'Or. But I can see Mbappe winning a Ballon d'Or. I mean, the pace, power, the precision, the 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 goal scoring like consistency that he can bring, you match that with a little more experience, and he's going to be devastating. And I think he could win a Ballon d'Or as well. Yeah, it would be interesting to see. So I mean, even though technically you wouldn't say that he's African, he's technically French, but you know, we all know he's African. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. He plays for the France national team, but uh, Kylian Mbappe yeah. name says it all. <laughs> so look, so ninety six, he wins another African Football Player of the Year. Yes, second in the FIFA World Player of the Year that year, and I'm like, <laughs> just like this is the thing that trips me out a lot. And maybe I think you experienced the same thing of like he should have had a second world player of the year. Yeah, he should have had a second one. Like it wasn't like as if he just fell off a nosedive. Like no, like homeboy was still like turning up. The thing I think we've reached an era today where UEFA is not scared to repeat. But I think around that time, there was this sense of, oh, well, he won it last year. We can't give it to him again this year. I think it was it was an era where they were like, no, we need to find someone else. We need to find someone else. Now they're like, oh, no, Cristiano, Messi, Messi, Cristiano, 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 Messi, Messi, <laughs> Modric, Messi. <laughs> like, so... I said Rockets. So you... you I think there, there, there's less of, and also you need to take into consideration that there, the gap between Cristiano and and Messi and the rest of the soccer world is fairly big to the point where UEFA is kind of like, well, we can't really give it to anybody else. Yeah, it does look all eyes wasn't like this is '95, so it's like TV deals for a lot of these leagues are a lot different than what they were even up to like early 2000s because even around this time, like. Catching Syria, you had pretty much you had to finally get a legal stream, exactly, or to some catch legal channels games. to watch it. So yes. yeah, games were definitely <laughs> in for them. So I mean, I can understand why not, but I still think he could have won a second people World Player of the Year. But also, like he didn't win first tonight. He won a Fair Play Award, and which we'll yes. get into because the way how he won this Fair Play Award is also hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> because where was it? So so pretty much despite. Winning the fair play award, he um he got suspended six games in the Champions League because he broke the nose of uh Jorge Costa in a match where AC Milan played Porto. Um, in the players' but, see that's that's the thing. Does that happen today? I I don't think he gets a suspension. Today, I don't think things escalate to the point where he has to get physical today, with yeah. with the awareness that has been brought out to uh, racism and whatnot. So, so for those of you that do not know, um, Portuguese defender for for Porto, Jorge Costa, um, was uh, racially taunting way up throughout the whole game. Um, there was a lot of racial taunting back and forth. Between uh, between the two teams throughout the whole game, and this is building up a lot of frustration within yeah. George Weah, and eventually he snaps and says, "I've had enough." And the next thing you say, you're getting my fist in your teeth, yeah. and and he broke his nose. <laughs> he broke his nose. <laughs> and the funny thing was, like, he tried to apologize like weeks later 
I guess because I guess they met up. It, they did meet up somewhere, but I guess like they were in the same vicinity. And Wade tried to apologize, and Coastal was like, "No, I don't want your apology." And I think <laughs> I'm assuming that Wade probably walked away. But the situation was like, I don't feel bad for punching you in the face now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I think today that I don't think that escalates yeah. to the point to that point because I feel that there is a a watchfulness and an alertness to that type of situation nowadays. And especially with what, I mean, I know our, one of our most recent episodes was on Mario Balotelli and how recently he, you know, threatened to walk off the field yeah, uh, because of racial taunting and things of that nature. But that's something else you don't, that's something we're starting to see now. And we're not seeing like at the full point where, I mean, me and you think where it should be like the whole team should. Yeah, just... the whole team should. It shouldn't be a discussion of if like, oh no, no, I say something. Yeah, no, the whole team need to walk up because if you're gonna say you're my brother and you got my back, if someone's like calling me a monkey and you know making monkey chants, yeah, and then we know where those monkey chants are coming from. from like, you need to be my brother and walk out this field with me. Like, don't try to get me to stand on the field because it's a game. Yeah, you know. But I think like like you said back in that era of '90s, it wasn't this whole thing of. And also, like, I don't, I'm still ignorant to the fact of, like, how racial tensions are in Europe back in the 90s, because I was a kid, so I really don't know. But, like, we just had the Rodney King answer, I think, in 91, 92, and this is three years moving on from that. Yeah. You know, Italy probably is not, you know, we know how Italy is when it comes to racism and how they deal with it. You know... Being at a case, you you know where it had to hear it a lot. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If, if Mario heard it, I can only assume what George Wade heard. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, yeah, it's just funny that he wins the Fair Player Award. You know, someone that's supposed to be this upstanding citizen, you know, like, he did, he's the model example of what you do in the field. And he punched one in the nose. Granted, for all great reasons, because... You know, the guy said something racist to him. I mean, it's not just said something racist. Spent the entire game just taunting him racially. And my thing is, I think that's something that people do need to take a close look at. Um, The fact that he wins a fair play award in the season where he basically forcibly brings attention to racism within... The sport. So, I also want to apologize. Because um, <laughs> you know how I said earlier that Wea should have won, should have won a second Ballon d'Or? Yeah, he finished second with you behind Ronaldinho. I mean, Ronaldo. The original Ronaldo. Uh, yeah. El Phenomeno Ronaldo? Yeah. Yeah. That's understandable. That's understandable. <laughs> I, I, can, I can understand that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, I can understand that. I just I, had a quick glance at my notes, and I made a notation. I was like, he finished second behind Ronaldo. Like, make sure you say this. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, So oh, that, that does make sense. So finish second behind Ronaldo, that's almost like winning it again. Because at the end of the day, it's Ronaldo. And Ronaldo is... This is Ronaldo before he has bad knees and needs a lot of Bengay. Yes, this is, this is, this is, I just got to Real Madrid and I'm scoring goals for fun, Ronaldo. <laughs> no, 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 that's not, that's PSV Barca. Oh, that's PSV yeah, Barca, that's Ronaldo? That Ronaldo? Okay, that's even worse. That's, yeah. I'm trying to prove something, This is something, skinny Ronaldo. Ronaldo. This is still like skinny, like, oh, hey guys, here's 50 goals. <laughs> that's that Ronaldo. <laughs> um, see, 
So this is the weird thing I've realized about George Wade's career. Because, so easy Milan, you would expect, like, it should be a whole bunch of offers. A whole bunch of offers. But it really not. Like, Grant, he just came off a Ballon d'Or. It's not like he got worse. Or and he got voted uh, African player, not not of the year, of the century. Yeah, again. By, by, by journalists. Yeah. And the one thing I can see from, like, his time at AC Milan was, granted, they never really challenged in Europe again because I think after that suspension, they never really get back to that point again. Or that he doesn't play in Europe. But it wasn't like this was a bad team. It wasn't like he would get worse. I think it was just like people were, he was like, eh, he's getting older. Yeah. And it's not that kind of thing of where you see older players like your Addison Cavani's and stuff and it's like, they're in that upper echelon of where yeah. they're only moving to big name clubs. Yeah. It's kind of like, oh, you're older so we're going to move you to somewhere else. Yeah. And we're <laughs> going to put you alone and you just kind of fade off into the skirt. Like, almost like Ian Wright. Like, you know, how I kind of think about it with George Weah. But it's like, he, so he moves to Chelsea alone in 99, 2000. This is before, like, Roman Abramovich, like, all that money gets pumped into him. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to ask Chelsea fans, and a couple of Chelsea fans helped me out on this. So like, how was George Weah at Chelsea? Like, was it something to where a lot of Chelsea fans remember him? Or was it just something where it was, like, a blimp and he's just kind of there? And they were like, he was there. He scored against Spurs, so it was great. But outside of that, nothing really much happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, he. I think he won, a, he won an FA Cup, you know. Hey, guys. After this podcast, go check out our newest sponsor, Non-League America. They give you the most in-depth exploration of the diversity of the United States through the lens of soccer. They're also your source for behind-the-scenes look at soccer culture and independent amateur club scene. Non-League America is not media in the traditional sense. They are content creators who use no claims to be unbiased. They are also staunch supporters of independent black-owned clubs, spending money with black-owned businesses and suppliers, and advocating for systematic change to our system that will give these clubs greater equity and opportunity. You can follow Non-League America and check out their documentaries on Facebook and on YouTube in the link provided down below. So, if you support us, go support Non-League America. It's, it's like slim picking because you expect, like, after AC Milan, you expect, you know, Real Madrid or... Because yeah. this is right around the time where Real Madrid is starting the Galacticos. Yeah, they're starting So you would paid. expect them to be like, hey, Ballon d'Or winner, come on down. Exactly. You know? <laughs> and it's like, he just I just imagine him standing at the airport with, like, you know, this FIFA Ballon d'Or the Fair Play Award. It was like, pick me, please. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> you know? But it's like, no one else, like, no one else really comes in for him. Yeah. Yeah. It's... You know? So, I mean, he comes back from London on Chelsea. He go, went back and played for Marseille, which I got to say, that took some guts. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. Took, that took some OG guts. <laughs> you pay for PSG and you go to Marseille, which for those who don't know, PSG and Marseille. They don't like each other. That's that's an understatement. That, it's almost as bad as Real Barcelona. It's almost as bad as Luis Figo going from It's as bad as, like, Ohio State, Michigan. And I say that because, like, PSG is in the north, and they're looked at as the pristine, the upper class, Mm -hmm. we're better than you, Mm -hmm. we're the capital. 
And Marseille is the poor city, the working city, the hard class. Yeah, the immigrant city. And know, I was just this um, rivalry. I've actually, by the way, this guy is a perfect segue because I watched the PSG and Olympic uh, Marseille game this past week when Marseille won uh, over PSG. Mm-hmm. And they were mentioning how from 1990 to now, there has been over 500 arrests and 10 deaths in a game. And mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh my god. Within fans, with yes. regards to fans. Yeah. Like imagine. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. It's it it's crucial. I mean, for those of you that regularly follow the Premier League, think back in the early two thousands, late nineties, Liverpool and Manchester United and magnify that, multiply that by like four or five. Imagine and, any angry French people would you know, French toast hitting each other. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's okay. Um, but no, yeah. but I mean, it, it gets ridiculous, and it's it's one of those things that yeah, I mean, you can you can basically watch Green Street Hooligans and think that's kind of what's happening in the streets of France when yeah. when Marseille and PSG come together. But I mean, that's pretty much like the the big spot in his career, but. I mean, nothing else really comes out of his career after he leaves AC Milan. Like we said, he Not goes really, on loan yeah. to Chelsea. He plays, what, nine games in Man City in the 2000-2001 season. And then mm-hmm. that same year, he goes to Marseille. Yeah. And he plays 20 games. And then after that, it kind of just dies off. Yeah. Yeah, he goes to Al, Al Jazeera. Yeah, Al Jazeera. Wait, but, I mean, that's just... He was supposed to go to New York Red Bulls. I mean, He was yeah. one of the Metro Stars in MLS. And imagine... George Weah oh. at the Metro Stars. That would have been... It would have been dope. It would have been dope to see. <laughs> I feel like now you're like angrily impressive at this. I'm, I'm like, ah, oh. <laughs> George Weah. Imag- like, I couldn't imagine going to... Wait, what year was this? We were supposed to go to the Metro Stars? When, when, what year was 2003. In 2003? Okay, it was already... Imagine going to Gillette. I, I can imagine going to Gillette Stadium to watch New England Revolution versus Metro Stars and seeing George Weah live in front of me. That would have been awesome. Yeah. That that would have like that would have did it for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and this is one thing I forgot, and this is why I like I I believe the move to AC Milan really happened is because you know Marco Van Boston, who had knees, he had glass knees. And I don't mean that like as a term to like take slight at him. He literally just had glass knees. Yeah. He was bought as a replacement for Marco Van Boston. So that's why you have the movement from PSG to AC Milan. He was supposed to be that replacement player for them. Yeah. And an AC Milan squad that was pretty much very fleshed out. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think. An AC Milan squad that was, I, I think, still in the in the top echelons. Of Italy, but struggling on the European stage. Yeah. But at the end of the day, for what he was able to bring to AC Milan. I mean, in five years, 114 appearances, 46 goals. That's, in that time, that's that's a pretty decent haul, you know? <laughs> we, we call that a good track. Good job, good job. Yeah, because uh, uh, you've got to think about it. He won the Ballon d'Or... Um, in right before going to AC Milan. Yeah. No. Did he? The, I think it was the season before he goes to AC Milan. 
No, he wins the Ballon d'Or at AC Milan. Uh, no, he yes, you're right. He is he yeah, is at, at AC, AC Milan. Because I, I have that picture like framed up on my wall. <laughs> of him standing there with the ball on the door. Like, that was like my screensaver for like the longest. Yeah. Yeah. So, don't ask so, why, it's just was. I mean, hey, it's, it, there's, I don't think anyone needs to ask why. It's, it's George Weah. <laughs> I mean, you have a lot of people who are well versed in the realm of, of European soccer. And if you ask them to name the probably five or ten top strikers in Europe that have played in Europe, George Weah is always on that list. Yeah. George Weah is always You know what the thing is? And I know we're, like, deviating a lot, but you know who George Weah career kind of reminds me of? Mm. AIs. Not off the field, but more on the field. Like, you remember AIs at Philly for winning an MVP and getting his team to the finals. Yes. But you don't really remember, like, no noticeable great playoff moments, Mm-hmm. The tail end of his career, you kind of like, eh, it's nothing noteworthy. Kinda it's kind of like the same thing with Weah. It's like, once he hit AC Milan and wins that Ballon d'Or in that second, you know, FIFA World Player of the Year and African Football of the Year, because it kind of just those dies after that. Yeah. Those dies, but it kind of just peters out where you expect it a little bit more. And, then, <coughs> you know, that's all. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it, it does kind of tail off, but... At the end of the day, the the main um, the main part of his career, the meat the, the meat in the sandwich of his career, so to speak, the Monaco PSG. That was a complete boss insane. I just want you to know that <laughs> it was. It was. That, <laughs> that was a complete boss insane. <laughs> I mean, it it's it's just amazing. That's over three hundred goals. In those three clubs. Yeah. And, I mean, he... And, and and when I say goals, I don't mean tap-ins, you know? A lot of his goals were goals which showed... Um, basically, I'm now going to kind of go into his, you know, his, his style of play. He was a drop into the midfield to get the play moving type of striker. Yeah, that's um, a lot. And he... Almost, almost like a false nine, but not really. But still playing that creative, a creator slash finisher, which is most of the times you get one or the other. Yeah. And he was one of those players that will drop into the midfield, get things moving, and then pop up up front, and you give him that ball, and he's putting it in the back of the net. Um, I want to give the example of the goal he scored against Bayern in the um, the one they call the wonder goal. Where, I mean, Bayern are in possession. They get the ball up the field, and just it's a long ball. Tried trying to get it to the box. AC Milan bring it back out. He's all the way back, like on the edge of the center circle in his half, creating play. Moves out wide, gets the ball, turns three players, pays it back, gets back involved, and then it's a give and go. And he dribbles past like four or five guys and roofs it in the top corner on Oliver Kahn. Now, <laughs> Oliver Kahn is the Manuel Neuer of that time. That guy's angry for no reason. <laughs> he is, but I remember knowing the, na- the name Oliver Kahn. He was a giant in goal. He was, I remember the 2002 World Cup that Brazil won. Oliver Kahn let in zero goals until the final. 
Like Oliver Kahn is one of those one of those goalies who he's up there with Neuer and Buffon as one of the greatest. And I mean, George Weah said, "You're not getting this one." <laughs> yeah. So for George Weah now, his national team career it didn't have really have the glitzy glamour because, like we said, he played for Latvia. Yeah, <laughs> you'll be lucky if you make it to uh, you know uh, African Cup. So he played 75, 75 times for Liberia, uh, scored 18 times in 20 years. But this is the more unique thing that I found out about his career. He pretty much helped coach and fund his national team. Yeah. So it was like you have like this big megastar player. And he very could have easily said, like, it could have been very easy for him to be like, I don't want to play for Liberia. I'm going to go play for France. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Or... I don't know. I think he spent time in Cameroon as well, playing mm-hmm. Liberia and Cameroon. He could have been like, "I'm playing for Cameroon." It could have been very, but he decided to stick with Liberia, and that you know that goes a lot into the conversation that me and you have had of mm-hmm. off air about players such as for like England, Netherlands, France, um, that are from the Caribbean or that from Africa that choose to play for the big European nations because they're like, "Well, one, I make more money." And two, you know, having that French international near my name means I get more eyes on me. But it's it's refreshing to see a player like George Roy who wins a FIFA Ballon d'Or kind of just like, no, I want to represent Africa. And there's no slight on the guys that choose to go for Africa because everyone case is different. Yeah. But it's great to see a player such as George Weah name be attached to an African country. Yeah, because at the end of the day, granted, you know, there there are connections between George Weah and probably I'd say maybe he could have done something with regards to 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 maybe the United States, maybe England. But to stay in Liberia, even though knowing that you're not going to get a lot of international success. Yeah, I, I mean they came one point shot of qualifying for the World Cup. In 2002, but yeah. outside of that, like they were never close to World Cup qualifying, and then the African Cup of Nations, they never really, they never made it out of the group stage. They so it wasn't made, like you yeah. were competing, you know. It wasn't. I think about it almost like as Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, yeah, where he's paying for um, is uh, it Togo? It's not Togo. It starts with a G. Gabon. Yeah. So Pierre Emerick yeah. Aubameyang plays for Gabon, but. He's never really gonna make it to that next level of like if you make it out of the group stage with Gabon, mm-hmm. it's woo yeah great. If you don't, <laughs> no one's like oh you know it's not like how Ghana is where it's like if Ghana doesn't make it out, it's it's making big news. You get what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. So it's hard to George to judge George Weah. God, I don't know why that was a tongue twister. <laughs> it's hard to judge him. On his international career, but it's great to see that he wasn't just—he didn't turn his back to it. Yeah, he wasn't just glory hunting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, um, his his international career, of course, wasn't wasn't that big. But seeing the fact that he was still able to garner such a big, big, big following just in Africa period because yeah. you had 
people from because you, you need to think about it around the time when and, and I brought it up already around the time when George Way is playing for Liberia you have African powerhouses like Cameroon and Nigeria and Senegal Ivory Coast that are making big noise and and you know have a lot of big name players but then again you real you you think to yourself how do you how you feel if you're i don't know Nigeria or Ghana or maybe one of the fringe nations like Sierra Leone or or Ghana or you know maybe Egypt around that time when you're maybe doing you know African Cup qualifiers or World Cup qualifiers and you go up against Liberia and most of the players are like, oh, it's Liberia. And you're like, no, but George Wade is there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the other thing about it, too, is like he's winning these African football players a year. And it's not like he's winning it when there's no one else. Oh, there's, there's a lot of big names already. Like, in. 92, it was what? Abadil Pele. Yeah. 95, 94, he competed against um, Emmanuel um, Emunku, Eminki. So, you know, there's, like, noticeable great players that he's challenging with. So, yeah, man. Anything else on George Wade before we wrap up? I know we got to talk about his political career, but anything else on his playing career? On his playing career? Um, not really. I feel kind of let down. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I do, and I don't know why. Well, I, I think apart from him punching Costa in the face, there's not really a lot of off-field drama with him. It's he focuses on his craft and we're not even off the drama friends, but it's like it would have been great to see George Way in the Champions League final. It would have, you know, it would have, or and like I, to see him make it to a World Cup, you know, that next. It would have been great to see. Yeah, I think the your your the Champions League final would have been more attainable. <laughs> oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Um. So, yeah, so also, as we know, Mr. George Wade Ford, like you alluded to, he's a president. He is a president of Liberia. Um, so, all right, I'll start because this is the part where I was really like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> so, yeah, I know, I know this, was, this was more so. This is way more serious. You are, yeah. Um, so, all right, so, second Liberian Civil War happens. George Wade, after that, announces, hey, I'm going to run for president in the president of Liberia election in 2005. And he pretty much forms his own, like, party, in a sense, the Congress of Democratic Change. But there's a whole bunch of people that are like, you don't have no experience, you can't do it. And, you know, really going at the fact that he doesn't have a proper education. Mm-hmm. And proper education in the sense of, like, a college, college degree, yeah. things like that. Because he was going against... He was too busy winning Ballon d'Ors. That's true. <laughs> he was going against a Harvard... Um, some uh, an opponent that went to Harvard, yeah, Ellen um, Joseph uh, Sirleaf. That's yeah. who he was going against. So, <laughs> way in typical way of prediction, fashion pretty much says like the fact that you guys have all these degrees and been running this country for years and nothing has changed is bad. <laughs> and I don't think I need a degree to run. Pretty much that, but he doesn't get elected that year. What he does in response is then goes to Divine University, gets his stuff, and then comes back and wins. And he's been president in Liberia, which, oddly enough, he became president on my birthday, January 22nd, 2018. Yeah. <laughs> he's the 24th president of Liberia. But 
from everything that I've seen run um in this time is it is it's been okay, but it hasn't been like there's is a lot more room to grow for him yes. as a leader. Yes. But absolutely. he's not doing a horrible job. <laughs> he's doing a good job. Mm-hmm. He's he's good. That I mean, you you, you got to remember this is the president. <laughs> Not some respect the, on his name. He's a president, not a all-around, I'm-in-charge-of-everything dictator. Yeah. So, as we have seen a lot here in the United States, the president only has but so much power <laughs> that is then always consistently and constantly challenged by the Senate and the House of Congress and whatever and whatever. I mean, it's the same thing in every country that yeah. has a president, that has... Uh, Congress as Senate, uh, you're going to have situations where, as the president, he's trying to do X, Y, Z, and the Congress wants to do A, B, C, and the Senate wants to do L, M, N, O, P. So, <laughs> well, since you don't have to dive into politics too much farther, as way as president, it's kind of cool to see. And plus, also, his son played for the U.S. Men's National Team, Mr. Timothy Way. Yes, yes. So, that's cool to see. You know, but anything else on you, my man, before we wrap up on Mr. Uh, President George Weah? Um, not really. I just, I just hope, like, well, how, how old is Tim? Tim now is like, I think 20. Okay. Tim, you need, you got, you got some big shoes to fill, man. <laughs> Come on, Ballon d'Or, let's go. <laughs> I'll write that down. Shadir says Tim must win Ballon d'Or within five years. Got it. Yeah, must win Ballon d'Or within five years to come anywhere close to the greatness of his father. Not sure. <laughs> also has to be president of the United States. Yes, go completely full in. Um, but if nothing else for you, my man, I think. I, I feel like George Wayne Carrera, like I said before, I feel like it's like a movie trailer and the movie kind of let me down. It's a good movie. It has great lessons, but yeah. it didn't live up to the height that I put in my head. Yeah. Uh, I it, it wasn't as star-studded and trophy-filled, although he's won, you know, several domestic trophies. But, uh, I mean, you, you got to think of it this way. In terms of local and domestic folklore, everyone in England knows that, yeah, Champions League is great, but the, the, the folklore is the FA Cup because it's the oldest, you yeah. know, trophy in, in the world and and whatever. And, you know, he's won that. You know, you have the, the, the Coupe de France, which which is basically bragging rights in France. Like, look, I, we're king of the hill, basically. And he's won that several times with two separate clubs. Um... AC Milan, Serie A has always been considered one of the top teams in uh, in in the the top leagues. Sorry, in the world, and he's won that. But there is that ever evasive Champions League, which is basically the top of the top of the top. You know, to win a Champions League is a big deal. Unfortunately, he didn't. But hey, you know what? That's fine. You know what? He's he's had a wonderful career. He won the Ballon d'Or. He is was the African Player of the Century. Um, player of the Year awards, Fair Play awards. Um, literally punch racism in the nose. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> and I mean, it's it, it's so it's a wonderful thing to see someone who accomplished all that still goes back to his home country and tries to make a change by becoming the president. Yeah, sure. So. so um, with that being said, guys, we are going to go into our sources right now. So, if you want to f- see more information on Mr. George Ware, you can go to Liberia, How is President Ware Faring uh, One Year On by African Arguments. We also have George Ware, UNICEF People. Um, George Ware leads Liberian politics on and off the pitch at age 51 as a YouTube link. And then George Ware's bi- Bibliography and Facts. So, if you guys want to support the podcast, which we are always love, and thank you to those who support our podcast, you can do so at the link down below in the uh, podcast description. Check us out there. If you want to reach out to us, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at RiverCity93. And I think that's all I said. It's been a while since we shouted out the podcast. Yeah. It's been a while. You kind of forgot we had to do that. (laughs) Alright. But as always, this is Elliot. This is Shanir. He was on the good side, guys. We'll holler at you later.